Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. Hi, this is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Practice Hack of the Week. A couple months ago, my daughter went through a pretty hardcore PB&J phase. And since I hadn't had a PB&J sandwich in years, I made myself one too, quickly rediscovering how yummy they really are. I mean, sure, peanut butter by itself is fun, and some strawberry jam is nice to have around too. But when you put them together, pretty awesome. So what does this have to do with anything? Well, research suggests that mental practice can be a helpful adjunct to regular physical practice. Research also suggests that observational practice, where we simply observe someone performing a skill, can help us learn more effectively too. And recently, researchers have begun to study the effect of combining these two approaches to see if that might be even better than either strategy alone. A team of researchers recruited 50 university students with no previous mental imagery training or dart-throwing experience. Everyone was given a few tips on dart-throwing technique, like focus on the center of the dartboard, allowed to take five practice throws, and then took 30 real throws to establish a baseline level of performance. Each participant was then randomly assigned to one of five groups, an observational practice group, a mental practice group, a simultaneous observation and mental practice group, an alternating observation and mental practice group, or a control group. And finally, they were told to practice their dart throwing skills three times per week for the next six weeks and given specific instructions on how exactly to do this. The observational practice group's practice sessions involved watching a short video of an intermediate level player performing 30 dart throws for a score of 222 out of 300, filmed so that their right hand and forearm were visible from a first-person perspective. Why not a professional or elite level player? Well, earlier studies suggest that observing an imperfect performance may actually lead to better learning than watching a perfect performance. Because in a perfect performance, it's too easy to underestimate how difficult the task is, and you don't have as many opportunities to see all the things that can go wrong. The mental practice group simply practiced by imagining making throws from a first-person perspective. The simultaneous observation mental practice group practiced by watching the same video of the intermediate player taking 30 throws, 
but while simultaneously imagining the physiological sensations they would experience if they were actually performing the movement. Kind of like if you were to watch a video of your favorite performer on YouTube, while also imagining how your hands, fingers, arms, and so on would feel if you were playing along with them on your instrument. The alternating observation imagery group practiced by watching the model on the video throw five darts, and then visualizing themselves throwing five darts, and then watching five more repetitions of the video, and then visualizing themselves for five more throws, and so on. The control group simply watched a video interview with a professional dart player three times a week for the same amount of time that the other participants spent practicing. After six weeks of practice, the participants returned to the lab for a final test of 30 throws to see which type of practice led to the greatest improvement in performance. And this will be no surprise, but the folks in the control group who simply watched a documentary about darts for six weeks, yeah, they didn't improve at all. Meanwhile, there were significant improvements for the alternating group, the simultaneous group, and the mental practice group. It was a little surprising that the observational practice group didn't improve, because previous studies have found positive results for this kind of practice. But while the group's average score did improve from the first test to the last test, it just wasn't a big enough difference to reach statistical significance. Anyhow, among the three groups that did improve, the simultaneous group had the largest improvement from pretest to post-test, an improvement that was significantly greater than that of the group that only did mental practice. The alternating group was somewhere in between, not significantly better than the mental practice group, but also not significantly worse than the simultaneous group. So all in all, it seems that while mental practice is helpful and can certainly lead to improved performance even in the absence of any physical practice, a combination of mental practice and observational practice is far more effective than either one alone. So why is that? Well, the researchers note that while both observational practice and mental practice are associated with activity in the same general area of the brain, the premotor cortex, each type of practice activates some parts of that region more strongly than the other. So engaging in both types of practice may lead to more activation in the premotor cortex overall and as a result, more effective learning. From this study alone, it's not clear how much of a difference there might be between simultaneous and alternating mental and observational practice. So you could certainly try either or both, as I'm wondering if it might depend a bit on the situation. For instance, when I'm learning a new skill, I've often alternated between watching a video of the skill on YouTube and then doing a few mental repetitions in my head to see if I can remember all of the details and execute it correctly in my mind. I found that my brain gets a little overwhelmed if I try to imagine the feel of the movement, while also trying to pay attention to all the details that I'm seeing on the screen. When it comes to something I know a bit better though, and I don't have to think quite so hard about the physical movements involved, I feel like I can totally handle watching and imagining a movement at the same time. As a child, for instance, I would often listen to recordings and visualize the physical feeling of playing with light fingers, a relaxed heavy bow arm, solid contact with a string, and so on, as I'd play along with my favorite performers and orchestra in my imagination. Either way, whether you A, watch a tricky shift on video, imagine performing that shift in your mind, and then actually try it on your instrument, or B, 
Imagine shifting in your mind as you simultaneously watch the shift on video before then trying it out for real. They both sound like useful ways to make practice time away from your instrument even more productive. So the next time you're looking to save your chops before a big performance, or want to practice when you don't have access to your harp or marimba, or are stuck on a plane with nothing but a backpack of scores and a playlist of your audition excerpts, try this hybrid approach to visualization. See how it goes. Thank you.